notice that when you were younger, you could have a dream, you could have a goal, you could have a vision, and everybody was excited for you. Everybody applauded you. Everybody encouraged you with your dream, with your goal, with your calling. Everybody was for you. And then you got a little bit older. And all of a sudden, you said, I'm going to start this business, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to accomplish this. And it didn't take long before people started telling you, no, that's not going to happen. You're dreaming too big. That's out of reach. You're never going to make it. You're not going to accomplish it. And why is that? I mean, why is that in one season of life, everybody encourages you? I mean, nobody wants to be that little jerk that goes up to my five-year-old son, Austin, and Austin, what do you want to be? I don't want to be a police officer. That's stupid. You're a moron. You don't want to be that person. And if you feel like, what's wrong with that? Then we have real issues, deeper issues than this church can possibly even begin to help you with. So, but if nobody wants to go and, and, and crush dreams, but yet as soon as somebody gets a little bit older, all of a sudden, dream crushing just kind of seems like almost a pastime. Like on social media, I mean, just you could see it. And it's almost like a, a barrel of crabs. You say, what do you mean a barrel of crabs? You ever seen crabs in a barrel? All of a sudden, they can climb out. They're pretty good climbers. But what happens? As soon as one crab just about to make it out, all the other crabs start grabbing for the arms and legs of that other crab, and they just pull it right back down. Kind of seems like maybe that's you at your office. You're the one trying to really make it at work, and you're really trying to make the most of it. And maybe the pay hasn't been that great, and the work environment isn't as good as you'd like, but you're reaching. All of a sudden, everybody else is pulling you back down to average. And everybody's telling you how bad things are. And you're trying to see things in a better light. And it's easy to miss out on what possibly you think could be a great thing. And really, I feel bad for people because they just don't see the big picture, right? Anybody ever gotten a postcard from the Grand Canyon? You ever seen a postcard from the Grand Canyon? Do you know what a postcard is? All right, there we go. 100% anticipation. Yes. I, I've, I've been to the Grand Canyon. And I've stared at the Grand Canyon. It's massive. It's huge. It's incredible. It's breathtaking. But then you go to the gift shop, and then you go grab that postcard, and you're like, are you kidding me? Was this picture taken of the exact same canyon? I mean, this just doesn't do it justice. This is just a piece, and this is not the big picture. Or if you go to Yosemite, we're close to Yosemite, and you go see El Capitan, you look at it, you're like, that's incredible. Some of you have climbed or hiked or whatever El Capitan. Maybe you just stare at it. You're like, that's as close as I'm going to get, you know? And uh, you look at it, but then you look at a postcard, look at a picture, and it's it's not the big thing. And I think some of you, you're staring at your life, and you're looking at your life, and you're saying, I don't know how this is going to work. Because for you, you don't actually see the big picture. Would anybody in this room be able to tell me or identify what picture this puzzle piece goes to? Really? Finding Nemo? (laughs) Close. We got to feel that. They're guessing now. That's good. Any, Any puzzle authorities in the house this morning? Would anybody be able to say this piece goes to the upper left hand corner of so and so puzzle? No. You see, some of us, when it comes to the pieces of the puzzle, you're looking at your life and you're saying, I don't get how this piece is supposed to end up like that picture. And maybe you've got a couple pieces and maybe your life has been through some things. You see, when we're in our teenage years, we don't know how 
these pieces are going to equal a college degree and a job and responsibility and a car and possibly a spouse one day and children and responsibility. We just, we don't get how these pieces are going to equal that. And then we get into our 20s and we don't know how these pieces get put together as we start our careers. And maybe we start in relationships and we're just looking at these pieces saying, I don't know how it fits. And then again, in our 30s, we once again, we grab the pieces of life and we're in our 30s and we don't know how to balance a marriage and work and career and parenting. And then we get our 40s and we kind of have a midlife crisis because we really don't know how to balance all the pieces because we're supposed to have it figured out by our 40s, right? And then your 50s, you're almost like, who cares now, right? Like, let's just quit. It doesn't matter, you know? And it's, it's, you're looking at the pieces of your life and you're thinking, man, how do all these connect to the picture? And then it doesn't take much, but there's always the one expert out there, that so-and-so expert, that they tell you, no, this is how the pieces ought to go. And they try to rearrange the pieces of your life. You're like, that doesn't feel right, doesn't look right, and it isn't right. And so maybe you're here and you're saying, how do I get the pieces to fit together? Now, I would say, if you were to put together this puzzle this morning, it might be a good idea if I was with you to put it together. You say, why is that? Because I know what the picture is supposed to look like. And the only person in your life that knows what the picture is supposed to look like is not you. It's not your spouse. It's not your boss. It's God. God knows how the pieces in your life fit together. There's a lot of people who will write books, who will teach, who will coach, and encourage you on how these pieces work. But only God can properly take these pieces. Maybe you're saying, I know, but I got some broken pieces and I got some pieces that don't quite fit together. And can I tell you this? God is the expert at taking broken pieces and making the mosaic that is his will out of our broken pieces. I mean, come on, think about it for a second. If Jesus was going to get some disciples and he wanted perfect pieces, the disciples would not be the perfect pieces. The Pharisees, on the other hand, probably, from an outward perspective, would look like the perfect pieces. But did Jesus pick the Pharisees? No, he absolutely did not. He picked the disciples. So your brokenness doesn't scare Jesus. It doesn't scare God. So this morning, we're in a series entitled Awakenings. We're going through the book of 1 John. But I need you to see three powerful verses in chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Notice what the Word of God says, because I feel like... I struggle with trusting God because too often we focus on the missing pieces and not on the big picture. Because the word of God even says in Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. God knows what we're supposed to look like. Notice if you would, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible says, consider how much love the Father has given us. Now, this is John writing. John is the beloved disciple of Jesus, and John and Jesus had a very close relationship. And so if there's anybody who knows about the love of God, it's John. And John wants you to stop. He wants you to stare. He wants you to take notice and consider this because he's not just saying, look how much love. He's not just saying the quantity of the love. He then goes on the love of the father that we should be called the sons of God it's a quality love but it's also a quantity 
of love. You see, God doesn't just love you like you say, hey, I love fast food or hey, I love golf or I love TV. That's not how God loves you. God loves you far greater and far deeper and so much more. My wife and I, we watched a movie the other week, and uh, we typically don't watch a lot of movies anymore, and so we were watching a movie, and I'm typically not into the kind of movies that she's into, and I think that's pretty much normal with most couples, but I figured that in December, there's a Star Wars movie that I'm going to inevitably drag her to, so I better pay my dues and watch her movie now and try not to complain about it, which I tried. And so we're sitting there watching the movie, and it's this movie about a man, he's lost in India, and he gets adopted into Australia, and in Australia, he figures out there's this thing called Google Earth, and this is based on a true story where he finds his hometown in India, and he's going to go on this epic journey, and he's going to find the family that he lost. But he has a discussion with his adopted mother, and with his adopted mother, he's saying, I'm sorry I'm such a disappointment, because if you could have had your own children, then guess what? They probably wouldn't have been as much of a disappointment to you as I am. And the mother stopped her adopted son and said, excuse me, what did you say? He said, I'm sorry that you adopted such terrible children. She's saying, no, no, the part before that. I'm sorry that you couldn't have children of your own. She said, no, that's not true. She said, that's not true. He said, well, I just assumed that since you adopted, you couldn't have children. She said, no. My husband and I, we knew that we could have children, but what about all the other children that needed some help out there? Who's going to help them? is that that's the kind of love that we had for children that needed help. That's the love of a father who looked down at earth and he saw you and he saw me and he said, nobody can help them, I can. And I'm gonna adopt them. Yes, I can have my own. Yes, I can, I can create my own creation. But guess what? You are my special creation. So when John is talking about the love of a father, he's talking about something so much deeper. So consider how much love the father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Verse two, beloved, now are we the children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. Let me read that part again because it's the crux of the entire message. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be. You're looking at the pieces of your life and you're saying, I don't know how it fits. And I feel like I'm supposed to have it all together because come on, I look at social media, I look at Instagram and Facebook and all my friends have it all together. Look at their lives, they're perfect. But mine is not. Because it does not yet appear what we shall be. Verse number three, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. We're focusing on the missing pieces instead of trusting the one that has the big picture. May I say this morning, first and foremost, don't judge the picture by the pieces. Some of you, are, you're looking at the pieces of your life. You're looking at the brokenness. You're looking at the hurt. You're looking at the pain. And you're saying, this is going to be a terrible piece of art. I mean, this is going to be bad. This is like finger drawing, all right? This is just not going to be a great work of art at all. God, what are you doing? And God is like, it's too soon. Would you touch your neighbor and say, it's too soon to tell? It's too soon to tell. It's too soon to tell. 
You see, God is doing a great work, and yet you and I, we're so uh, trying to push forward. We're trying to have it all together, but guess what? It's too soon to know what the piece is going to look like, and we're so focused on what we want to be or we hope these pieces would look like that we start judging the picture. We start thinking God messed up or God made mistakes when God is saying, no, I have so much more. But maybe you're here and you're saying, hey, man, this is a great message for maybe somebody younger, but you know what? It's too late. I'm too old, I'm too hurt, I'm too broken. So, hey, excuse me if I just kind of check out and uh, think about the Raiders game later on today. (laughs) But you missed the verse, what it says. Look at the verse again. Notice if you would, verse number two, it says, Beloved, now are we the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. It's not revealed yet. It, it hasn't happened yet. So you say, hey, I, I still, I'm still not there. God said, yeah, of course, it's going to take time. And this is interesting because John, who saw everything, John saw Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. He saw Jesus in, in a form that we would never get to imagine. John writes about it, and John knows something that you and I know that if we could see what we're supposed to be, we would look at all the pieces and say, there's no way. We would look at the bag of pieces of our life and say, God, I don't know how these pieces make that picture. So God actually gives us a great gift. And he doesn't show us the picture. Because you and I would be so busy trying to figure out how this is going to work. How am I going to fix this financial rack? How am I going to fix this relationship? How am I going to fix my children? And we're going to be forcing, instead of saying, wait a minute, God, you've got the big picture. So God, as hard it is for me to trust, and trusting is hard. And if anybody tells you, oh, trusting is so easy, they're lying to you. Trusting is hard. It's difficult. And so when it comes to trusting God, it's difficult at times. But you and I can only see a part and we don't see the whole picture. So too often we make snap judgments about things. Too often we see somebody and we say something about them or we think something about them. Instead of uh, understanding that God is going to do something great. God has something big in store. You see, you and I have the problem of limited perspective. It's limited. We only see right here, right now. We don't see the future. We don't see what could be. Our perspective is blocked of what potential lies within us. And it's easy to get our perspective blocked. It's easy to have other things that come up and we just, we miss it. You see, you may see a mom in a grocery store and think, wow, what a terrible mother. Instead of understanding that, wait a minute, she might be a single mother and she might be working two or three jobs and maybe she doesn't have as much time to spend with those children. So give her a break instead of making a snap judgment because you don't know where she'll be one day. It's too easy to make a snap judgment about maybe a spouse or maybe a child or maybe somebody in the neighborhood without understanding their full situation. You see, we need some people that they believe even if they don't see it because it's too soon to tell. It's almost coming up on a year now from a really special memory of mine. You say, what do you mean a special memory of mine? I just remember a hotel room last Sunday of October wasn't sure what God was going to do. Our church had nothing, nothing. You say, well, you don't have much now. It was less than nothing. I'll tell you what we had. We had Sean's bass guitar, Sheila's guitar, and we had Isaac and Callie happen to bring a plate of cookies, and that's what we had, and we had church. And anybody was there, you'll tell it was probably the best service you went to all year. 
It was incredible what God did. The Spirit showed up. It was awesome. It was just one of those special moments. And there were people that were there. And, man, we cried. And there was tears of joy. It was just exciting what God was doing in the midst of all the hurt and all the pain. And it was amazing to look around and see all these people. But yet there were some people in that room that they couldn't see what the picture was going to be. Because they got focused on some pieces. They said, I don't know how this is going to work. So after that service, I've never seen them again. There's people that don't show up at a church like ours and say, uh, I don't know if that's going to work. So they'll come once and, yeah, it's real nice. See ya. Because they only see the peace and they don't see the big picture of what God's creating. They don't see the picture that God is going to give us a building and God's going to build an auditorium where thousands of people are going to meet Jesus. They don't see a ridge kids where children will be taught to worship God and to follow God and be taught how to, how to obey their parents. They don't see a place where people will be discipled and marriages will be restored and lives will be helped and homeless and hurting will be helped. They don't see that place. All they see now is a bunch of broken pieces. They say, no, that's not going to work. And and, and it's because they live by what they can see it, because they have to see it to believe it. But I've looked all throughout the Bible, and there's not one verse that says, hey, first you see, then you can believe. But all throughout the Bible, it says, without faith is impossible to please him. So we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen, church? You see, my faith doesn't rest on what I can see. My faith doesn't rest on me having to know how the picture is going to turn out. My faith rests on the one who, and after three days, can rise up, resurrecting his dead body from the grave and bringing life to what is dead. That's where my faith rests. So we need some people that see the invisible and some people that believe the impossible. Some people that say, you know what, I'm not going to let my outlook determine my outcome. But too many people, they, they let their, their perspective get blocked by any problems. And instead of saying, I'm going to trust God with what he wants to do. But too often, because we only see some pieces, I meet a lot of people that because they, they, they don't see how all these pieces fit together, they do some foolish things. They make some permanent decisions, not understanding that they're in process. So don't make permanent decisions when you're in process. You see, too often we jump ahead and we think it's permanent. But notice again, look at verse number two. The Bible says, beloved, now are we the children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But then it goes on and it says, but we shall know that when he appears. Now, I hate to state the obvious here, but Jesus has not appeared in his uh, form coming back at the second coming. So what does that mean? It means you and I still have time. It means that we still have time to grow and to learn. It means we still have time to become all that he wants us to become. Because too often we self-sabotage. Too often before great things happen, we give in to self-doubt. And we start thinking that everybody else has got it together. We start lying to ourselves and think, well, all my friends, they're getting married and starting their career, so what's wrong with me? Or we start thinking that, you know what, nobody else suffers with self-doubt like I suffer with self-doubt. And we start defeating what is happening inside of us. And so many of us will give reasons why we'll never be happy. But the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. I've got a key to my car. And by the way, I found somebody else's keys to their car too. So if you are missing, never mind, it's a Beamer. I'll keep that. And uh, so if you want the keys of your Beamer, I have it. But I've got a key to my house right here. 
And it's amazing, this key to my house, it's, it's interesting because if I were to go to your house, this key wouldn't fit that lock. And I know that might be really, really creepy for you, the pastor trying to get into your house, so I, I won't try it. But it's interesting because out of the millions and millions of homes across this country, this key does not work for it. It doesn't. You could try it and you could spend the rest of your life trying to find a key. It only works for 106 Mayland Court. That's the house. That's the key that it works for. And that's the way your life works. God has been chiseling. He's been working. He's been crafting you so that your key fits one destiny. Your life fits one place. And many of us, we get frustrated because we think, God, what you're doing is not happening soon enough, quick enough, fast enough. And God is like, hey, I'm putting the pieces together. It's almost Christmas, guys. You know what that means. We're going to go to Toys R Us. We're going to go to Target. We're going to go to Best Buy. We're going to go to all these fun places. And we're going to buy stuff. We're going to spend a lot of money. And as we check out, the lady or the guy is going to say, hey, for an extra $15, we have real live elves in the back that will make this for you. They'll put it together. And you are probably like me, and you're thinking, no, 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 I'm cheap, and I'm going to save $15 because I enjoy doing this stuff on Christmas Eve while everybody else is in bed and bed snuggled up and ready for a nice Christmas. And so you find yourself on Christmas morning, and there you are. You're pulling out a smelting kit and a Bunsen burner because nowadays the bicycle, they want you to craft the metal and smelt it yourself, paint it yourself and then assemble it because they can't just make it easy for you can they and so there you are you're trying to assemble this bike that you pray to god that'll stay together so you can get that perfect picture as soon as they get on the bike they go around your living room which i was going through pictures the other day and i found a picture of austin on the bike that we gave him except he had no clothes on i was like austin what ah that's uh, takes after his mother and so uh you know and there's just these things i'll pay for that later um so it, it's one of those moments where you're just like What's going on? I got to put these pieces together. But then you look on the box. And here's what the box says. Some assembly required. Did you know your life has a label? You know what your life says? Some assembly required. You see, you just kind of thought four years of college, start the career, get married, have some kids, stay at the job. It's all good. But there's some assembly required. You see, the pieces aren't going to assemble themselves. And you've been sitting there thinking, how is this going to work? How is the marriage going to work? How is the relationship going to work? How is the job going to work? And I've got all these pieces, all these pieces of life. And I don't get how they're all going to fit together. And you can stress out. You can fret. And you can get upset. You can get ulcers. You can get medication for it. And you're going to say, how does this all work? And God will tell you like I'm going to tell you. You take one piece and you take another piece and you just start connecting the pieces. One piece at a time. How do you build a great marriage? You take one piece at a time and you put it there how do you build a great relationship you take one piece at a time and you put it on the table and you build it together how do you raise a great family you take one piece at a time and you build it together how do you raise great children you take one piece at a time and you put it together how do you build a great career you take one piece at a time and you put it on the table how do you build a great church you take one piece at a time and you put it together how many of us are throwing away pieces when God's like don't throw away the piece because I'm building something great with your life and you say i don't get this piece i don't like the color of this piece i don't like the shape of this piece and god's like i know you may not like it now but when it's all together it's going to look beautiful it's going to be awesome it's going to be the story of your life i saw somebody the other day and they had a great t-shirt and i wrote it down and the t-shirt simply said 
The struggle is the story. Your struggle is your story. And as much as you wish it wasn't, as much as I wish that there were things in my life that I've never done that never happened to me, it's a part of my story. And it's not just a part of it. It is the story. The worst moment in human history is when we nailed the Son of God to a cross. But if it wasn't for that awful, wretched cross, we would never have salvation. So when man was at his worst, God was at his best. Do you not get it? That's the hope of the gospel. That's the message of Jesus, that you can be at your worst and God can still show up and be at his best. So God is saying, hey, it does not yet appear what we shall be. For when he shall appear, we shall be like he is. And he has not appeared yet, so we're still in process. So don't make permanent decisions yet you say i didn't know my life was going to take so much assembly but god's there to help you with one piece at a time but here's what i found with the puzzle god says hey let's get an agreement with him you say what do you mean agreement the first verse opens that consider the love of god if you're here this morning and Christianity is a new thing, you don't know God, you don't know Jesus, consider the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Have you, have you agreed with that? Have you accepted that love? Because once you have agreement, then you've got to get into a alignment with God. You say, what do you mean alignment with God? There are some things that you want. There are things that God wants. And too often we are focused on what we want. We say, God, I want you to do this and God is over here saying no I want to do this and we're saying over here no God do it my way and God says excuse me I am the creator you are the creation I am the alpha and omega the beginning and the end I created this world I created you I brought you into this world son and I will take you out of this world that's our God now God loves us but he says get in alignment with my will because Bible says at my right hand are pleasures forevermore. God's not trying to cheat you, bait you, hurt you, trick you. He's not trying to get Facebook videos on a Friday to trick you into anything. He wouldn't do such a thing. That's not our God. All right. Now, but God wants to do some great things in your life, but we've got to get into, first of all, agreement, then alignment. And that's where the assignment comes in. That's where we see God do some great things. But lastly, as we wrap things up, And this is where I really want to challenge you. Too many people, they'll speak into your life. And it's amazing how many times we listen to the critics. Any of you had a critic in your life? Can I just see your hand? There's a couple people that you just haven't lived at all. Like, at all. It doesn't take long to have a hater. How about I say it like this? Anybody got a hater? All of a sudden, yeah, we know. It's just, I need to get a little bit more young. Some of you people look a little bit older, but I didn't know you're so street savvy. Okay, Urban Dictionary next time. Mental note to self. All right. So you've got haters. We've all had haters. There's somebody that hated you at your last job. There's going to be somebody that hates you at your next job. You say, that's cold-hearted. It's just the truth. There are just people that they ain't going to like you, okay? And it's just going to happen. You're going to meet those people. But here's what happens. You can get a 1,000 compliments. There's a thousand people at your job that say, you're awesome, you're amazing, you're the best, but there's just one person that they're just kind of like, you're not so great. And all of a sudden, you can hear a thousand compliments, but what do you focus on? The one complaint. Let me ask you a question. Critics math, you get a thousand compliments, one complaint. It still equals one complaint to a thousand compliments, but you're focusing on that one complaint because one person who doesn't know what the picture looks like 
They don't know what your kids are going to look like. They don't know what your marriage is going to look like. They don't know what your church is going to look like. They don't know what your family is going to look like. They don't know what you're going to look like. But yet they, all of a sudden, they get to write the story of your life. Excuse me. Please write this down. I believe it'll help you. Don't stop being all that God called you to be because someone doesn't see what God has said about you. Now, in the first service, there were some people that they pulled out their phones. They took a picture of that. They made it the screensaver on their phone because they know people that all week long, they've got a relative, they've got a friend, a friend that they keep telling them, oh, you should do this. You should wear this. You should act like this. You should be this. Instead of saying, wait a minute, God has called me. Did you notice verse number one? The Bible clearly states that we are called the children of God. It's a calling that we should be called the children of God. So don't stop being all that God called you to be because someone doesn't see what God has said about you. God spoke to you. God spoke that vision, that dream over your life, not your spouse, not your children, not your coworker, not your mom, not your dad, not your dog, nobody. He spoke it over you. And so stop giving into the critic and start saying, wait a minute, this is what God gave me. God spoke to me. God gave this to me. And so I'm not going to give up on this. You see, it's so powerful when we understand that there are critics And you ever met that person? They just have a bleak outlook on life. Man, their whole life, everything's just bleak. Can I tell you something about that person? That bleak outlook on life, the bleak outlook on the future is a reflection of something broken inside of them, not you. Let me say it again. Someone who has a bleak outlook on the future, it's a reflection of something broken inside of them. It's not you. And you come in contact with that person that, oh man, you're never going to make it. It's never going to happen. Just remind yourself, wait a minute, God's called me. I'm a child of God. I'm his. God's going to do some great things. The Bible says that, whoso, that, that if we give our lives to him, that we follow him, that he'll work it out. Matter of fact, Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. God doesn't say, oh, I gave you that gift. I'm going to take it back. No, God gives it to you. So all of a sudden, we need to start taking the pieces and put it together. Take the pieces of our lives, and we just start putting it together and allow God to do something incredible with our lives. Maybe it's time that you find some new friends. Maybe it's time you find some people that give fuel to your life. 2012, there was a runner. His name was uh, Mogadishu. Now, Mogadishu also ran with another runner and another race, but this runner is a little bit more popular. His name is Usain Bolt. Everybody ever heard of Usain Bolt? Much more popular. But here's the thing about Mogadishu in the 2012 Olympics. He ran so fast, so fast that fifth place, fifth place was the United States runner. The runner in the United States that was fifth place came in fifth. He set a record that nobody had beat in the entire time since the 1800s, only one person to beat it, and he was fifth place. They said every runner set a record. They said it's never happened like this. They said this runner, Mogadishu, he didn't just run his race well. He ran it so well, he inspired everybody else to bring out their best. Who in your life brings out your best? 
Is it your spouse? Is it your time with God? Is it that friend? Is it that person? Who is helping you get to your personal best, to run faster, to become all that God has said you would become? I think that's why it's so important we gather on Sunday morning so that you can have somebody that can help you see the big picture. This is why we do a Financial Peace University so that you could see a big picture of what uh, finances free from, uh, uh, free from debt would look like. This is why we come to church where we see what it would look like to have a happy and a successful life and a life that pleases God and a life that we fill with joy. That's why we get this big picture, this big perspective. So who in your life is helping you get there? You see, God sees the potential that isn't seen by people. God sees it in your life. So maybe this morning you've been struggling and you've been thinking, there's just no way. It's time we focus not on the missing pieces, but we start trusting the one who has the big picture. Let's stand. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes and have a moment where we speak with God? Because I'm deeply concerned that so many of us were given into the voice of our critics. And we're never fulfilling all that God has called us to fulfill because we're looking at broken pieces of our lives and thinking, this will never, ever work. When God is saying, the story's not over. I haven't come back yet. So can I pray for you this morning? Can I pray that God would speak life into your situation? Can I pray that you would stay at it, that you would keep putting one piece after another together, that God can continue to work the miracle that is going to be the masterpiece of your life? And I know you hear that word masterpiece all the time. It seems like K-Bay, that's all they ever say. You're a masterpiece. And you each time throw up a little bit. But it's true. It does not yet appear what you shall be. Story's not written. God, I pray for these people. They're going to face critics. They're going to face obstacles. On the road of life, it's hard sometimes to know where the pieces fit. But help us, Father, to trust you, to understand that you're the only one that has a big picture. So we look to you to do what we cannot do. Oh, I pray, God, that you would speak to the ones that maybe they're in their teen years and right now they're being conformed to a mold that that isn't who you want them to be. I pray for the mom or the dad who feels pressured to be something that they know they're not. And I pray that you would do a work through our church. I pray that you would help us not to just believe when we see it, but we would believe even if we don't see it because we know how good our God is. So I pray that you'd speak in a powerful way. We ask this in Jesus' name.